Welcome to the Authentic Dentist Podcast. Join Dr. Allison House of House Dental in Scottsdale and Sean Zayas, founder of Zana, a company helping dentists extend their care beyond the chair as they lead dentists deeper along the journey of authenticity to reach greater fulfillment in their professional lives and to deliver remarkable patient experiences. At the core of the authentic dentist is a belief that the answer to the current challenges in dentistry is dentists discovering that their greatest asset and point of differentiation is their personal brand, and that forming that brand out of their authentic selves is the best strategy for success in dentistry today. So continuing on um, with the theme of culture of excellence, last episode, we kind of just talked about some of the foundations, about the approach of you know, a, a coaching habit. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, I think it would be great for you to listen to, but you don't need to listen to that before uh, this topic because it, it's also uh, fairly separate. And that is, we want to dive into um, probably one of the more, again, uh, important topics around firing. And when people know it's okay to fire and possibly even what are some of the the signals that they can see, you know, what, what, what's the difference maybe between like a red flag versus just a caution that they need to be aware of, you know? And the reason why this is so important is I know in my own experience, we have taken way too long to fire people. I, I, I don't, I don't know if that's what you experienced, Allison, in your early years. Oh yes. Yes. Way too long to fire people. Behavior that was just outrageous and I didn't fire them. And yeah, now I know when to let people go. Like we've talked about that adage of hire slow, fire fast. It's never more true than when it becomes really real. And you have that employee that you've just given too many chances to. Uh, but you almost feel trapped. You feel trapped because a lot of it's the way that you enabled them. A lot of it's the way that you allowed bad behavior. And now you are kind of like, well, how do I, how do I re-steer the ship? So I feel like maybe even some of the listeners and some of the dentists are like, I can identify with that. I'm in a place where I have some employees and part of it is the fact that I, maybe I didn't set up expectations when I hired them correctly. Uh, I did all these things wrong. So I think we can help them in, in that capacity. But just again, in my own story, I've made all the mistakes <laughs> under the sun when it comes to allowing behavior to continue on that, that I shouldn't have. Oh, so am I. <laughs> I made all the mistakes. Allowing people to come in late, leave early, give me excuses on why things didn't get done. It, it doesn't work. So I have learned that when I hire somebody, well, let me talk about how I hire somebody because that's really how it starts. At this point, I always do a working interview and you have to pay people for a working interview. So they come in and I have them work four or five hours. I always pay them even if I send them home after an hour because I can't deal with them. <laughs> so I need to know that they're clinically excellent. And then I also have my team have lunch with them because I feel like my team has to like this person and get along with them. And it's pretty intimidating to the candidate, but it's also really good because they'll open up to the team and talk. And then I sort of know who they are. So, yeah, it's like an introductory way of getting not just you, but your team to almost vet them, to, to kind of feel good about. I mean, it's kind of like you're interviewing a potential family member, right? Because if your practice is has that family feel of, hey, we're in this together, we all care about each other, you're bringing someone else into that. It's, it's, a, it's a personal thing. 
Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a pretty important decision. So I, I don't let them, my team decide. I just get their feedback. And sometimes I hire somebody, even if they say, you know, if everyone in the, in the team says no, then it's definitely a no. For sure. But if just one person says that, I'm still probably going to give them a chance. And then I always hire them with the understanding that 90 days, they can leave. I can, I can let them go. There's no, we're just feeling each other out. And that's actually what happened with my, my last employee. She was just here for 90 days and she was clinically just fabulous. Mm. But um, if you asked her about anything, she got defensive and we could not break it. We couldn't get her to, to start communicating with us. Instead, she would just stomp off, throw things. Wow. So at the 90 days, I let her go. It was just, I, I didn't want to have that kind of negativity in my, in my office. It wasn't a fit and it wasn't in alignment with your culture of excellence. Yeah. Even though she was great with patients and she was clinically good, I just can't have someone that, that acts like that. It just ruins the whole feel of the office. So just to take a quick step back, I think what we kind of both agree on is firing. It's such an important decision to make and to know when to make it. And we think like the best way to not have to run into this, um, this event, you know, often is to hire correctly. And even the way you just shared, you know, even though you know, you've known so much and you've learned so much in 20 years of practice, just recently you had to fire someone, even though you, you have good hiring habits right now, you know, you have good hiring processes and systems. But I guess the difference is if you didn't have good hiring, you may not have caught it in 90 days. Now, all of a sudden, you you it's something you're tolerating. It's something you don't know how to handle. You're six months in, maybe you're a year in. And now, if you have to kick them out, it, it's not just taking off the Band-Aid. It's, it's like, it's, it's a wound, you know. painful, yeah. And especially you have somebody who's been with you like five years, mm. and they behave badly this whole time. I, I actually think that you're hurting them. When you allow someone to behave badly, come in late, um, be inappropriate or not professional because you've set them up that their next job, they're going to think that's okay. So you've enabled bad behavior in your office, but you've also enabled them. And so I honestly think it's kind to come in and say, yeah, I need you to be professional because you're teaching them. Now, that's just a perspective and a mindset you've shared that I think is, is so invaluable did I just say invaluable? <laughs> it's so important to reemphasize. And that is maybe um, there's some people out there that, again, they don't think of letting someone go and they don't think of firing someone as helping someone. They think of it as maybe the coolest thing in the world that they could do. I mean, how insensitive of you to let go of someone that, man, they have bills to pay. Uh, maybe they have a family. You know, maybe this is part of their professional growth. And here you are, you're, you're crushing their dreams because you're letting them go. Now, I don't believe these things, but I believe that it's common that people are going to have these misconceptions about firing and the right mindset to have. So even just kind of go into that a little bit because you arriving at, it actually helps people because it doesn't enable bad behavior. It's actually the best things for them. How, how long did it even take you to come to that? I've, I've raised a couple of teenagers <laughs> and I have discovered that if you allow them to behave badly, they'll go out in the world and behave badly. 
And that's not, it's not good. So it's kind to be firm, to have firm boundaries. It, it's kind to say, you know, it's not working out. Because if you have someone who's behaving badly in the office, you kind of know that they're unhappy. They're not, if they really wanted to be there, they wouldn't be like that. They almost are firing themselves by behaving this way. Yeah. And if they're miserable, there's other dentists that are different than I am and would be a good fit. I mean, we're all individuals. I may be demanding something or my personality just may not be a good fit for you. And that's okay. So you, there's lots of other opportunities for them. And it's better for you and for them to give them an opportunity either to find the correct fit or to discover something about their own professional development that, that needs to be taken serious. Yeah. Um, tell me, do you remember the first time you had to fire someone? Yes. Yes. <laughs> was it this beautiful experience? You know, I'm sure it was just textbook, right? You did everything right. <laughs> it was my very first employee. So I opened my practice from scratch and she, I brought her along with me from an office that she had quit before and I'd worked somewhere else. And so I didn't steal an employee. So she joined me and she helped me set up the entire office. I was working somewhere else. She was setting it up. She was such a good, a good assistant, but, um, she, she came in late. She left early and she just, she started taking things mm. and I let it go on for way too long before I recognized that she was, she had a drug problem. Oh, wow. And it had become a massive drug problem before I had even caught it because I was so caught up in my own world and my own stress of the practice that oh, I was sure. not paying attention to. This is early on. This is, yeah, this is my very first year in practice. Right. So, so everything is swirling. You're trying to get a grasp on every aspect of, of your practice and paying attention to the little nuances of some sort of drug-addicted behavior in a team, why would you even know how to look for that science, right? And I didn't. I didn't. Like I said, I've made so many mistakes. So I let this go on for a long time before I finally fired her because she was good with talking with patients. I didn't know she was high. Oh, my God. I think about it. It's so scary. So I fired her, put an ad out, and this is back in the paper, <laughs> and had people coming in that afternoon. And so I hired somebody, another person very quickly. And that person turned out to be pretty good. I had her for another year. But it was like the most stressful thing ever to let her go because I felt like we had this relationship. I cared about her. I knew she had a drug problem, so she wasn't going to get un unemployment. But yeah, I I couldn't keep her in my office. That wasn't going to work. So did you talk to, I don't know, did you talk to some either mentors in your life or, I mean, even unpack that because this is probably something that was, you're saying, a struggle. You, you cared about her. You understood that she was finally, you know, you were aware of some of the difficulties she was going through. Um, but, but again, you didn't know, it wasn't super clear to you, best practices. Hey, for the life of my company and, you know, of my practice, I need to do this. And for the, really to help her out, I need to make the good decision. So I'm like, what, what process did you have to walk through? Did you talk to lots of maybe older dentists and, and ask them? I didn't have a lot of mentors okay. at that time. And so, no, I didn't talk to anybody about it. I cried a lot about it. And I also felt very dependent on her. I felt like she had set up all these systems and I didn't know the systems. And she had a key to my office. You just call a locksmith and change the key. 
but she had a key to my office. I just felt so vulnerable. And letting her go, I was afraid she might do something crazy. And she didn't. She didn't. In fact, she took it very well. She said, I know. I know. I need to get some help. And she did. But that was that was a big deal for me. You know, and early on, you know, you, you have to depend on. I mean, you have to depend on people all the time. But I could imagine early on where you feel more vulnerable because you don't have a list of, you know, either previous hires or you're not super comfortable with hiring. And, and you don't know how soon is it going to, you're going to be able to plug someone else into that position and, and be running at, a, at a, all of a sudden, you know, just a consistent pace again. So you almost might feel trapped. Like I kind of need this person, but at the same time, I don't want to enable this behavior. That's going to make it difficult for me to add other team members because she's not modeling this culture that you're wanting to create. Cause at, at that time you don't actually, you don't have a culture. Like didn't have a culture. It's just me. Right. You have an idea of, you know, you had in your head of what you thought it might look like. And then maybe you're trying to be intentional to start establishing something. But yeah, I mean, this is just the very beginning, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that still today, 20 years later, I still feel vulnerable when I fire an employee. I still feel like they have access to my computer system. They have access to my financials, perhaps. They have passwords to insurance companies, the key to the office. And that just makes, and well, they might post something negative on Yelp that'll take forever for me to get off. And you still feel very vulnerable when you let somebody go. You know, I think that could even be something we talk about in a future episode is kind of like, what is that process uh, or protocol that they need to implement once you let someone go? Because, you know, in, in my office, we um, let two people go in the last two, three months and that was the whole process too. It's like changing the locks, um, deauthorizing them from so many of the software that we used um, that they had credentials for. And yeah, it, it's, you want to make sure you dot every I and cross every T, especially when it's material that's sensitive, that might be proprietary or, or just confidential or yeah, it's, it's like the, the inner workings of your practice and they can't have access to that anymore. No, no, they can't. Um, so tell me, Recently, I think you had to go through this. What What are some of the lessons maybe um, we can share with listeners about just one of the recent experiences from you having to let go of someone? So there's a couple that I, I come to mind. One of them, I hired someone as a lead assistant and she came in and interviewed really well. Everybody liked her and the first and the working interview went really well. But when I hired her on, it became obvious that she was not able to handle the lead position. She had no experience on ordering. She she didn't really know all the things I needed her to know, which was too bad because she was a lovely person and I really liked her. But she couldn't fulfill the position that I had hired her for. Okay. And that was a hard lesson for me. And it was a hard lesson for her. And of course, I was paying her more than she'd ever made before. So I actually found her another job. Really? I did. I, I knew it. I let her go. And, and I did so as kindly as I could. You know, you just don't have the skill set to handle this. And, and I, I'm sorry. That was my mistake, too. And then I told her that I would send out some emails to people, dentist friends who didn't need a lead but needed an assistant. And so she did. She got another job working for one of my friends. And she's doing great. But she wasn't able to be a lead at this particular moment in her life. Okay. You know, yeah. and that's good for her to know. 
It was good for all of us to know. It was good for you to know because misplaced responsibility, misplaced authority can have um, big consequences. You know, I know recently we let someone go and um, man, it, it just came down to like lack of dependability, lack of reliability. You know, we just given this individual a raise and we were kind of hoping for uh, more engagement, uh, believing that it could be an incentive to inspire their best. And ultimately it didn't. Now, in the wake of after letting that individual go, I, I came to find out that at one point they were asked to do something that they didn't know how to do, which was um, wipe some employees or sales person's computer and back it up and then reinstall software. Well, in doing this process, they end up deleting the database file for my salesperson's CRM, a customer relation, like contact oh, record management. No. So six or seven years, you know, I think it's actually about 10 years of all their contacts got erased. And I wasn't directly the one that asked them to do this. It was, you know, someone else on my team. I didn't know anything about it till the salesperson came in and said, Hey, how are you going to fix this? And I'm like, wait, what, what, what happened? What did we do? And that's because again, we entrusted someone to do something that was outside of their scope of expertise and it hurt everybody. And so you have to have this culture where someone can tell you, hey, I don't know how to do that. Right. And that would be okay. And yes, um, this young employee lost her job, but she, we got her another job and it's in a better fit for her. If you don't know how to do something, maybe I need to hire somebody to teach you. I mean, it depends on the, the fit. If you're a really good employee, yeah, I'm going to send you someplace and teach you things. But oh my goodness, don't do something you don't know how to do. I need to know that you don't know how to do this. You know, and, and again, in talking about this culture of excellence, why firing is so important. I know we both read the book, Good to Great. And it's like one of the things Jim Collins and his team talks about right at the bat is getting the right people on the bus, getting the right people off the bus, and then putting the people in the right place when they're on the bus. And I think that can be such a challenge for people of all ages, you know, it may never be a, a skill set that a dentist develops of really knowing how to manage his team, but there's definitely certain things that they can do to take steps in the right direction. And that's why like we were talking about hiring. It is so important to, to hire slow, to really check the references, um, to clarify those expectations ahead of time that you're going to be having with that individual. So you're on the same page, you know? And that was one of the lessons that I learned too. Was at the when I first hire somebody, I really go through all the expectations that this is going to be that you're going to order, we're going to help you, of course, and that you're going to expect it to clean. You're going to you're expected to maintain the equipment, and I have a, a form that you have to fill out to make sure that we're maintaining the equipment. So there's there's not this surprise of what the job is, and I'm not shocked a month later when something's not done. So there's this understanding of what this job entails. And I think that's great. I think it's good for the employee. It's like, hey, what is going to be expected of me? You know, and one of the things I like to to add on to that is this is also the way I communicate. I let them know really clearly. I am going to be honest. I'm going to be pretty direct. And I'm, I'm wanting the same from you because I don't know how to help someone that doesn't ask for help. I don't, I, you know, my parents notoriously would always say this. My mom would, would be helping people. And she'd be like, I can't read your mind. But if you need something... You have to let me know and give me the chance to be able to help you. 
And just creating that whole like, hey, I care about you being the best version of yourself here at the office, here as part of our team. I want them to grow in something that they can be passionate about. And I'm trying to gauge that in the interview. Like if they're not passionate about what I'm going to be hiring them for, it's probably not a good idea for either of us. Like it's not going to be a fit because I'm wanting them to be alive. And, And like we talked about in last episode, you are so passionate about dentistry that it's just a great fit when you're able to find someone that even if it's just a budding passion, it doesn't have to be mature passion. That's, that's where coaching, that's where development comes into, but just identifying all of that on the onset, because when you lay that foundation of here's what we expect performance wise, here's what we expect. Um, when it comes to, I'm going to trust you with things. And, you know, I love to just tell people, Hey, I believe, um, care, can be kind of unconditional. I'm going to try to care for you regardless of how you act, but trust is not going to be unconditional. It is very conditional based off of decisions that they make and they could build trust over six months and then do something stupid and completely obliterate all of that. And it's going to lead to a decision where, Hey, I might have to fire them because if I can no longer believe it, Hey, they have my back or do you know what I mean? That, that like it severs, it just severs the foundation of that relationship. So I like to be, try to be honest with, employees upfront about all these things, knowing it's just going to give us again, that great foundation to build off of. But it's also the evaluation, I would say almost metrics that I use when it comes to firing, if it gets led to that, because it's like, this is what we talked about. This is what we expected. This is what you signed off on. How do you feel your performance or your actions have been in alignment with that? And then they pretty much fire themselves if they're not right. That's true. That's true. I actually don't do performance reviews and I, I think I probably should, but I don't. And it's that expectation of a raise with it and saying things that I feel like we've already gone over. So I try and do things in the moment because I feel like that's the coaching piece rather than waiting to the end of the year to go through, well, you didn't do this. Um, I also share numbers with my, my team at every meeting that we have twice a month. Where are we? They know what, what our amount is in order to pay bills. We have to have this amount just to pay bills. So if we fall short, they, they know. Um, the performance raises. That's the other thing I want to talk about. It. So you have to pay your people well. If you want that level of commitment and that level of trust and that level of clinical excellence, you're going to have to pay pretty well above the standard in your area. And that's always hard to do. But I think if you uh, if your fees are above the standard in the area and you're you're committed to this excellence, you're going to make the money. It's going to be fine. So tell me, because it sounds like almost like those two things. I don't want to say are at odds, but you you really care about uh, paying someone well, but you've acknowledged that you, you I, maybe you just haven't set up a system for performance reviews. How do you base, or, or, or do you just pay them well to begin with? I pay them well to begin with. And then um, I bonus them. So, and I, I don't have the system of bonuses that a lot of people have because I like it to be a surprise. So like we're having this three-day weekend. I gave them a bonus yesterday. Oh, awesome. It wasn't a big bonus, but it was a little bonus and it meant a lot to them. Well, I bring that up because I think it's like a neat, almost like a moment of honesty where I can, I can say as well that I don't have a great system for even performance reviews either. And, you know, here we are wanting to share with everybody 
um, the reality of areas we've struggled, you know, where we're at now and where we're going. And when I asked my team, hey, um, when it comes to a culture of excellence, give me some feedback about areas you think that, that I've done well. You know, I, I just asked them that two weeks ago. And one of the things they said is um, something that you can improve on, Sean, is we don't actually know when our performance is going to be kind of evaluated in some sort of like three month, six month. And we don't know what almost like what growth path we're on that keeps us in, keeps us focused today so that we know we can get rewarded tomorrow, so to speak. And I realized like, wow, here I am. I believe in that. I think that's amazing, but I haven't taken the time to even set that up with my employees. So yeah, that's an area where there's growth for me. People cannot, cannot meet your expectations if they don't know what they are. They will always fall short. Yeah. And I, I do feel like I do that pretty well, setting the expectation. And I do feel like I set the tone for the office and where we're going. So I, I talk about that quite a bit. On, this is where I want to be next year. And this is our goal in six months. And this is and where they fit in, in their job description. But truly, I'm not doing a great job of just evaluating their performance as an individual. Well, any of the listeners that actually have some suggestions or advice um, I'm, both of us are avid learners. We love reading books, articles, anything to just continue to just to grow and learn. So we are open to, um, your perspective on that. So shifting, what do you think might be a clear red, red flag? Like meaning this is something unacceptable. I don't even think there's a chance for a second chance. Maybe it's like, you gotta let them go versus, eh, it's a caution. I need to keep my eye on it because, you know, again, just to let people in on um, our story is like just even a few months ago, I was struggling with an employee and I would kind of tell you and you're like, you just got to let him go. And it was so difficult for me because I was five years invested. Um, and for people that may not think about it, the reason why you want to hire and develop people well and pay them well is because replacement costs for an individual you've invested in massive it's massive to train somebody new to deal with all the mistakes to it it is so difficult and yet you have to do it you have to let people go that are no longer in your value system that no longer want to be part of your team and it's interesting how they fire themselves um being on time is really important to me and so the first time you're late i'm going to tell you that's not acceptable (laughs) When um, you're late a lot, yeah, it doesn't work for me. You're, you're, I'm probably going to fire you right away. So um, do they know that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's clear. Like yeah. you, again, so they fire themselves because of just not being able to be consistent with an expectation that you've laid out clearly. Yeah. Okay. It's a little thing. Yeah. But no. it's. But it matters. It matters. Because you run on a schedule and everyone relies on each other being where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be. I mean, that is pretty basic, you know, I feel like it's really basic, but it's amazing. I have fired several people because they're consistently late and it's not that they had a flat tire one day, things happen. Sure. But if you're late every day, then you're not really committed to this office. So what might be something that's maybe more subtle, something that was harder to identify where it's just like, man, this is clear grounds. They gotta go. Um, being disrespectful to myself or to patients. You have to go if you're disrespectful. I don't like it. Um, 
And clinically, I, I had a, an assistant one time that handed me the porcelain etch instead of the regular etch when we were doing a filling. That was really scary um, because that would have really hurt the patient had I used it. Wow. And there were just a, there was a couple more instances like that, and I, I did let her go because I felt like I really don't trust you anymore, and now I'm afraid that we're going to hurt somebody. And that was hard, but I, I couldn't keep somebody that would do something that might hurt a patient. Was that a difficult conversation? It was a very difficult conversation. Yeah. And she had not shared with me there was a lot going on with her life. But the truth is we're still responsible for our patients, and I, I couldn't allow that. You know, and that's where we both have talked about firing. It's probably the worst, one of the worst parts of the job to have to actually look someone in the eye, get them in the office and say, we've decided that, you know, you're no longer part of the team. You're just not a good fit. That's a difficult conversation to have. Like you said, like we want to give people permission right now that maybe haven't, haven't fired someone or they need to. What we want to empower you with and encourage you with is you need to be thinking about what's the best thing for your practice, which is your patients and your team members. If, if there's these amazing loyal team members that are already part of your practice and then some toxin comes in and it's just bringing the morale down, um, just being a strain on everybody, you know, it's not a personal decision at that time. Professionally, they're just not a fit and they need to go. You know, so what would you say to someone that, Again, might be, I don't know, timid or again, just really struggling because they're caring and they care about their employees, but they just feel like they probably need to do some house cleaning. What would you say to that person? Rip off the bandaid. Just do it. <laughs> take take the plunge. <laughs> take the plunge. And it's going to be awful. I mean, that moment will be awful when you fire them. But when you come in the next day, you will breathe, especially if you've had somebody who is toxic for a long time. And really think how much time we spend at work. It can't be this negative, toxic environment. We spend too much time here and we are actually able to create this area where, you know, at home with some teenagers, you can't always create the environment of happiness that you would like. So at least you have some ability to create it here. You know, and the opportunity cost of keeping an employee beyond that time when you clearly shouldn't have whether it's a month or whether it's years, all it does is it hurts everybody involved. It hurts them, like you're saying. It enables them to think they can continue being unprofessional. They can continue not being their highest version of themselves, not holding the standards, whatever it is. You know, it's almost like it allows them to trick themselves into, hey, well, it's fine. You know, I can just keep getting away with this. It, it tricks them into thinking they could be mediocre. And what you really want is for everyone to be their best self and encourage that. So I don't, I don't want to encourage somebody to be mediocre. I want to encourage somebody to be great, to grow. And that's what we think. If you're listening to this podcast, we hope that you feel the same. You really want the best out of your team because you expect the best out of yourself. And you're wanting to give the best to your patients. I mean, that's what great dentistry is all about, is taking care of people in a great way and allowing your uh, your assistant, your office manager, your hygienist, everyone to come into the office and it'd be a place of life. It'd be a place that's actually fulfilling, not where they're having to go home at night and unload all their baggage to their loved ones and you know they, they dread it. No, you don't want that. You don't want it to be a place where 
they're scared or they don't feel safe or it's just a strain on them emotionally. We want it to be something where your practice is encouraging, it's inspiring, and it's life-giving, and ultimately it's going to be fulfilling for people that work there as part of their professional growth and development. And, and that's the magic word, fulfilling. You want them to feel fulfilled in their job. And it's their healthcare professionals. Every one of these people you have working for you are healthcare professionals. And you want to hold them to that standard. And you will. You'll feel fulfilled. So, yeah, hiring and firing is one of the most difficult things. And yet it's, it's probably one of the most important things that we do to create that culture. So just our message to you right now is to take a moment and think about um, what you can do to be more intentional about how you're leading your team. And if that means taking a hard, honest look at some of the team members that you need to have a discussion with. And we're not saying maybe the next step is to fire them, but just to have an honest discussion about, look, um, I've allowed a few things to go for too long and we need to come back into alignment with what we expect. Um, we just encourage you have those difficult conversations because you're going to feel better. The office is going to be better. Um, so yeah, we just empower you to do that this week. And again, feel free. Please give us comments, feedback, anything, uh, any questions you have or anything you'd like to hear more about. We're going to continue on the series of a culture of excellence. So thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Authentic Dentist Podcast. To join Allison and Sean on this journey, hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Here's to your success. Express yourself fully. Live authentic. Live authentic.